Hello and welcome to The Garden Pod. We are talking to Damien today and uh, what we're going to talk about is a book, The Science of Learning by Bradley Bush and Edward Watson. They've identified the most influential and important findings around education and cognitive psychology. It is a book that is a little bit heavy, which is why we are bringing you a real parent's guide to it, so that you can see how this book can actually bring in practical steps to help your child learn more effectively. And it's going to be a really hands-on experience. So, Damien, how are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Right. So tell us a bit about yourself and, and tell us uh, your role in the school. Okay. My position in the school is Director of Learning. This is my second year at Garden International School. I've had various seniors posts beforehand, but my role within the school is looking at the learning within Garden International School and ensuring that the outcomes and impacts that we get for our learners align to our vision, our values and our learning statements and learner skills. Okay, that's great. And um, you're a cross-school, aren't you? So you, te- you cover both primary and secondary. That's correct. So looking at learning across 3 to 18. Mm. Okay. So obviously we're doing this based on the book. Um, are there any parts of this book you disagree with before we go any further? It's a great question. Um, there's many findings that I think link together, so I don't think there's any that I would disagree with. Mm-hmm. However, it's understanding the research within the context that may be different for each parent or each sure. teacher. So when we look at the findings, it's about then testing it within your own situation yeah. to ensure that what the research suggests is actually relevant within your own setting. Yeah, because it's like any advice. It, it might work for some children, but not for everybody, isn't it? That's right. And also the research that there are different case studies and right. the, the degree in, in which the studies have taken place. There will be some research that's been extensive mm-hmm. and may involve a number of research papers that have taken place mm-hmm. whilst others are relatively new so for example when you're looking at the realms of cognitive science mm-hmm. that's fairly new in terms of some of the discoveries and findings that's taken place excellent um right so i'm sure our parents are here uh, how should parents behave and what attitude positively impacts learning so i guess the first thing to really talk about is what do we understand by behaviors and attitudes mm-hmm. so attitudes we're thinking about the feeling towards something mm-hmm. as well as the thinking when we're looking at behaviours, we're looking at the actions that may be influenced by those attitudes. And there are four key findings that come out. One of them being that where parents have high aspirations and expectations, and that's around learning, the children under the care of that parent tends to benefit. Mm-hmm. So when we're looking at influence. Mm-hmm. So looking at learning, it's not simply about the destination, it's also looking at the journey. And when we're talking about learning, we're not simply talking about the academics, we're talking Mm -hmm. about the social and emotional development Mm -hmm. that takes place within a school setting. Okay, so uh, can you give us an example of of what you might mean by aspiration? So aspiration could be to do with skills that you're Mm -hmm. looking at. So it's about developing maybe resilience. Mm -hmm. It might be to look at leadership skills or Mm -hmm. team building. Mm -hmm. So it's looking at education within a holistic Uh, viewpoint Mm -hmm. and where learning that takes place in school is not simply contained within the classroom Mm -hmm. so we're looking at it in a much more broader and wider sense so um, can we give an example of what a parent might do that would raise aspirations well in terms of aspirations it's looking at the purpose the why the goal Mm -hmm. so where a child has aspirations to be a football player Mm -hmm. it's looking at well what are the steps that that child is taking at this moment in time Mm -hmm. if they want to go into medicine Mm -hmm. how are they pursuing that interest Mm -hmm. how are they developing their curiosity Mm -hmm. and then seeking that out within the opportunities the extensive opportunities that exist within garden 
Okay. And going a bit further, how do, how do those parental attitudes um, affect the learning? And perhaps the most important one of all, failure. It's a good question. So in, in terms of relation to failure, mm-hmm. uh, what was noticeable about the book with parents' attitude towards failure? Mm-hmm. And there are two sort of lenses that parents tend to take, and that's either mm-hmm. being uh, where learning and failure is seek to enhance mm-hmm. or it could be debilitating mm-hmm. so where failure is seen to enhance learning mm-hmm. it then leads to a growth mindset where mm-hmm. it's seen as an opportunity that growth takes place mm-hmm. and the idea of failure mm-hmm. is that through greater effort mm-hmm. you can succeed grow and progress okay where you've got um, a mindset where it's debilitating mm-hmm. the opposite can happen and therefore what we try to encourage parents is how is failure embraced at home and also parents being exposed and allowing themselves to be vulnerable to failure. So what are the discussions that take place where mistakes are taking place? And then how do they overcome that? What skills do they use? What reflections take place? And where students see that happening at home, mm-hmm. they then often are influenced by their attitudes and approaches in school. Okay. Now, I mean, seeing your parents fail and how they deal with it is, is really important and very useful and I'm sure it shapes attitudes. What about the classics? Um, you know, the parental warmth and praise, how do they influence a child's mindset? So when we're looking at parental warmth, it's, uh, it can be through physical affection, but it can be by verbal. But when we're talking about affection, what we're really looking at is how do the parent value their child? So in terms of the communication, the relationship that they have, do they value the attitude and behaviours? So looking at the type of praise that's given. Is that praise personal? Is it to do with innate qualities that they might have or is it based on their attitudes is it based on the behaviors is it based on the effort and the work that they do is this also growing on carol dweck's study about praising correct and and so when you praise the effort it gives the ability for a child to understand that they can be successful based on their efforts Mm -hmm. where praise or affection is undeserved it can then lead to narcissistic behavior so praising someone to be special or where you compare that child to other people uh, where there's a sense of entitlement that can be problematic to the learning. It also reduces the risk um, of a child succeeding because they then don't embrace risk-taking, mm-hmm. uh, they don't embrace opportunities to develop and grow in a way that would be conducive. Okay. And the study also went into uh, sleep and eating habits, didn't it? It did. Uh, the finding, I think these uh, were probably the most conclusive of all the research that had been undertaken. There's clear evidence to suggest that with sleeping and eating that where this is done, so where students are regularly eating, Mm -hmm. where there are routines for sleeping, Mm -hmm. it helps improve memory, retention and moods. Where that doesn't happen, there is a significant decline in terms of performance and over long term it can lead to depression. So there are correlations that would link that uh, habits of eating that are not conducive to the child in their school life can have a negative effect. Okay, that's really interesting. I mean, one of the more interesting aspects of this book as well was that social standing can really hinder the learning, can't it? That's right. Yeah. Um, Particularly in adolescence, so in terms of social standing and social status, that has a huge importance in terms of the credibility of a student amongst Mm -hmm. their peers. Mm -hmm. It's worth considering that for a child, Mm -hmm. that the surroundings of being with people of their own age group, there'll be no other time in which that surrounding will be greater Mm -hmm. than when they're in school. 
Mm. And at that age, with adolescence and hormonal changes, there is a greater degree of hypersensitivity that takes place. So their exposure to their peers and the attitude, the culture, the mm-hmm. climate will influence their aspirations and expectations. And what what and can parents do about teenagers? Because they're not known for listening to their parents. So there's lots of things that interlink with that. So it's thinking about the communication that takes place both at home as well as in school. It's about their involvement uh, in school life, so understanding how your child is getting on, the types of questions that you may engage your child about their learning, their development, what challenges they're encountering. But also we've got to be mindful about the influence of social media and the fact that those pressures exist not just within school but also outside. So then looking at what are the regulations that are mm. take place with the use of mobile devices and how do they exist within the home setting. Um, one of the things that's also quite interesting is they did quite a lot of future gazing and they put quite a lot of research to try and work out how the future success of the person can be predicted. Can you explain that one a little bit more in terms of you know, what kind of data do you need to predict future success, or even can you? Um, I, I think there's a difficulty in terms of being able to predict, but you do have indicators, and there was research around IQ and whether that would be a reliable indicator of how successful somebody would be. Uh, the research by a termite study, I think mm-hmm. it was called, by Dr. Terman, what it revealed was that there wasn't a clear correlation between IQ and success. Mm-hmm. There is certainly a, a correlation between academic performance and IQ, mm-hmm. But actually, there are other factors at play that will determine someone's success. And again, Mm -hmm. you've talked about Carl Dweick, the growth Mm -hmm. mindset. But when you look at Angela Duckworth's study, Mm -hmm. uh, grit, so thinking about passion Mm -hmm. and opportunities in which students can engage in problem solving, Mm -hmm. risk taking, Mm -hmm. um, and understanding the purpose behind their learning. Mm -hmm. That will have a greater determinant of their success long term. Yeah, and I think also the CAP4 indicators are, are, are more modern version of IQ. Does that feature in the book at all? Um, it didn't feature, but I think even GL would be... Uh, I, I think their literature also indicates that they would see it as a probability. So they don't see it as a predictor, but it's the likeliness of getting a grade based on their batteries. But again, they recognise that there would be factors such as the, the environment mm-hmm. um, and it's the nature-nurture argument. And the studies suggest that it's not an either-or, it's a combination of both that will determine someone's success. Okay, excellent. And um, we also, the final part of the book talks about visualisation and achieving your goal. And uh, how how do you think, I presume that was considered to be a very positive thing? So the study, there were uh, two case studies that took place. One where students were visualising the goal, the outcome, and another where they were visualising the process, the step that they needed to take. Um, They looked at students that were doing their GCSEs. Students that were asked to visualise the goal tended to think about maybe the type of career that they wanted to go into. Students that were required to look at the process looked at revision techniques and and things that they needed to do at this moment in time to improve their performance. And what the results indicated were that students that visualised the process academically did better. And there's clear reasons for that. That where you're visualising a goal, so thinking about your aspirations, they tend to be long-term, they tend to be much more distant and in the future. Also, they tend to be much bigger and much greater, so therefore there's a tendency to be overwhelmed by them. Whilst when you think about the small steps you needed to do in order to improve, they become much more manageable, and therefore the ability to be successful is greater. Okay, that's really fascinating. Um, Thank you very much for your time today. Do you have any parting comments? I would simply say that 
the key behind all of the learning that takes place is that it's got to be a relationship between parents, teachers, including the students. And that collectively, understanding a personalised approach, understanding the individual in terms of what they're seeking to achieve is going to be key. Thank you very much for your time. Bye-bye. Bye.